0: Thank you for joining us on The Skeptic Psychic. Where we delve into ancient societies, ghosts, the paranormal, UFOs, all looking at it from the perspective of the true believer and from the skeptic perspective. Joining me, my partner, my co-host, my sibling, Kimber Rodriguez. Myself, I am Richard Gregg. And again, let's look into... Being the Skeptic Psychic. Hello all mothers out there. How are we doing? I'm so happy to see all you mothers out there. My name of course is Richard Gregg and you're watching the Skeptic Psychic on this very special tender-hearted salute to the ghost mothers and spirit children. With me tonight is the wonderful, sweet, and talented, whose picture graces my wall tonight with my dear, sweet, wonderful mother as well, Kimber Rodriguez.
1: Yes, just to let everybody know, I'm the baby that she's holding.
0: She's the baby, not the mama. She's the baby,
1: not the mama. (laughs) I am the baby. So how are you tonight?
0: I am doing fine. How are you doing?
1: I am doing really well. my husband's uncle passed away this last week. Oh, I'm sorry to hear that. Yeah, he had been sick for a while, um, but he did pass this week. And so I was talking to my mother-in-law yesterday on Mother's Day, and um, she was telling me about how in Mexico, they still celebrate spending the night with the dead.
0: I'm sitting up with the dead no more. So they start sitting up to
1: Yes, um, so she would say that at the funeral home, and they're going to do this for my husband's uncle, where you can take your pillow and blankets and sleep at the nurse, I'm sorry, not nursing home, but the mortuary with the body after the viewing on Friday night, so it'll be an all-night viewing, and then Saturday morning they'll have the funeral. And I was just thinking to myself, yeah, I I don't think I could possibly – ever sleep in a mortuary with a dead body um that just would be too disturbing for me i don't know what are your thoughts i
0: could possibly sleep with the dead
1: yeah but what if the dead don't do sit up
0: uncle ed just sat right up i don't know
1: (laughs) yeah that that's just too disturbing or you know the spirit leaving the body uh no thank you I will just. I told her, I said, we'll see you at the funeral Saturday morning. And she just laughed. Yeah. So, yes, as you all know, yesterday was the American Mother's Day. I say American because in different countries they celebrate Mother's Day um, differently than we do. In fact, again, going back to Mexico, they celebrate it every year on May 10th. Um, so theirs is a set day. Whereas ours is always, you know, rota- rotating <laughs> as the years go by. Um, so we wanted to share you all with you all some stories about ghostly mothers. Ooh. One second, mercy. Sorry, husband's getting a little too excited over there about our our um, topic tonight. <laughs> But yes, we are going to be talking about ghostly mothers. Um, So if you have any comments or anything, let us know you're here, send us a shout out, say hello, let us know how you're doing. And are you ready to jump right into it? Or is there anything else you wanted to discuss?
0: Mama, I just killed a man, put a gun against his head. Pull my trigger
1: now—he's
0: dead. Oh, I'm sorry—I got possessed there. Right, Freddie Mercury there for a second. Sorry.
1: Yes. <laughs> um, before I forget, though, if you are watching on YouTube, make sure you like and subscribe, and hit the notification so we know when we post new videos. If you're listening to a replay through the of your podcast, what kind of stars do we like?
0: We would like for you to have. Five stars, that's right. One, two, three, four, five. Or in Spanish, uno, dos, tres, cuatro, cinco. Or yes. in French, un, deux, trois, quatre, cinq.
1: We do like five stars, but we'll take whatever you give us. Um, also, please leave us a review. We do read reviews on air.
0: We also do read, if you do have any type of ghost stories or uh Mystic Mama Tales, please send us uh, our way and we'll read them on air as well. Yes,
1: I could tell you a lot of Mystic Mama Tales um, that come to mind about our mother, who's very blessed. Um,
0: Yes, not ponytails, not goblin tails, but Mystic Mama Tales.
1: Yes, um, thinking of one, she uh, came to visit and we were having some kind of weird things going on in our house at the time. And it was about two in the morning, and my husband and I were, you know, hanging, we never sleep, so we were up watching TV, and I, of course, was playing on my computer, and she came in and said she just wanted to check on us, and I was like, oh, yeah, we're fine. One second. Mercy. Sorry, I probably should have taken this upstairs. I apologize for that outburst, but... Um, we, we went up, uh, my mom and I went into the other room to talk and we were just talking about different things. And then I noticed she had a fresh scratch on her wrist. Like it had just been done. So I asked her what happened and she told me she was laying in bed, which was in my mother-in-law's room at the time. And she was woken up by what seems like sleep paralysis. She said that she saw this face coming towards her and it was talking to her in Spanish. It's very hostile. Um, and my mom, when she finally was able to speak, she said, Satan, get thee behind me. Well, the thing kind of backed off Ooh. and left her alone. But when she got Ooh. up out of bed, she had the scratch on her wrist. So Ooh. this along with other things that were happening in the house at the time, lead me to believe that it wasn't your normal sleep paralysis, but possibly she was attacked by something in the home. So I just wanted to share that little story. Um, You can find out more about that um, if you watch our YouTube video, which I can link in the description. So that way you can check it out and see about what else happened around that time so why don't you kick us off with the mini stories around the world
0: coming out around the world are you
1: ready for a brand new beat oh
0: i'm sorry that's the wrong one
1: yes (laughs) and jackie does say that she is well how are we i'm doing great glad you're here
0: i got a little stomach bug or something going on with me so too um, much I, good food. I guess so. That's why I'm, I'm, right now, I'm I'm on a water diet. Oh, those
1: are never fun.
0: <laughs> no. Now, there are many stories from around the world of spirits connected to motherhood and mothers that have passed on and still looking uh, for their families. Here are just a few of those stories. Mm. Now, in Malaysia, there is a myth about what is called a... <gasps> it's a vampire and the ghost of a woman who tragically perished during childbirth the spirit appears as a beautiful woman who entices their raven before turning into a ghastly creature and attacking him it is often depicted as a long-haired woman dressed in white what is it always about these white uh, these women in white
1: I don't know is he there are other colors out there, Spirits.
0: Yes, it represents the local variations of a vampire. She does uh, lure them, unexpectedly men, into an enticed sphere and enact revenge. Signs that uh, this creature is nearby it includes the sounds of an infant crying and the smell of a decaying horse or a plumera flower. Which, If you've ever smelled a plumera flower, it's not a very nice scent. You know, they're
1: Plumeria. I think it's a very nice scent, personally. I I'm saying the love, flower Yes, I used to love um, the way they smelled. Like I would go to Bath and Body Works and buy the plumeria, plumeria po- uh, scented soaps, and and right. they had a very. That's after they
0: extract extracted it, but the real flower kind of does not have a very appeasing stuff.
1: Uh, to each their own. All
0: right. To start the punanatic. Polnot, you need to drive a long nail fully into the hole of the nape of her neck. This is not easy, due to the fact she possesses supernatural strength. It will take many times to hold her down while the nail is driven in. If, 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 if you are successful, she turns into a uh, turns into a beautiful woman and a good wife. This continues as long as the uh, nail remains embedded. So, if you're looking for a wife with an attitude, there she is. She's probably great with the kids too. Afterwards,
1: yeah. Um,
0: Maybe tell her, you know, put put on some better clothes, uh, some uh, some other clothes besides white.
1: Some different colors. Yes. Yes. Um, so, how do you make sure that nail stays embedded? I wonder. I mean, she could just take that thing out at any time. Maybe surgically implanted or something. I don't know. I don't
0: know. Maybe you know. Uh, at night, you know, you, you're getting all comfy in bed, and you're just gonna tap her a little bit more. Oh. And I'm not trying to be, you know.
1: Yes, I know. But if I were, um, you know, I would say that that definitely gives a new meaning to piercings. Yes. Okay. Now we move on to India. And we have the Chudayal, which are ghosts of unpurified mothers. Um, And these live in the trees. Like Pokedinax, these women can turn into beautiful women, seduce their male victims, and then kill them. Sometimes, they just suck up their virility outright. So this is kind of like, I guess, maybe a succubus, but um, these men are left, not only are they seduced and taken over, they're left to be shriveled old men. It is said that the chudael is formed when a mother dies in childbirth and they can be spotted when they transform into their true form. Their true form involves their feet being backwards. And when they shed their beautiful disguise, their black tongue and thick, rough lips and claw like hands help give it all away. Yeah, um, that's definitely not something I would want to see. Uh,
0: no.
1: I mean, I've heard of like that black hairy tongue syndrome, but. I think this takes it to an all-new meaning.
0: It definitely takes it all to a new meaning.
1: Yes. Now, Japan also has a version of a vengeful female spirit, which is known as the Muana. This literally not means... Not to be
0: confused with... Uh,
1: Mawana. No, this is a Muana, not Moana. But this really means... Uh, or literally means, I should say, a nothing woman. These are formed when a mother loses her child to famine or war, and then it turns them into an evil spirit. While the Muana are powerful monsters, they do have one weakness children. This means that they will protect the child in danger, even if it's going to the extent of the letting themselves be destroyed to save the child Mm -hmm. so that's a good way to like get rid of a of a moana is to bring in a um a child and distract them with the child however 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 the drawback to this is the moana will sometimes absorb the child Meaning that, um, yes, they become, you know, one and the same. And this usually happens when the child is asleep. Um, And this could be maybe a misguided form of protection. But on the other hand, you know, it may be good to distract them. But at the same time, I don't think I would want one around a child anywhere. What do you think?
0: i don't think i would want them around the child either
1: yeah let's just keep the kids away from the moana maybe just show them a picture of a child and then they'll be distracted by the picture what do you think
0: i think so yeah just show them the picture
1: yes uh, you could show them that great picture behind you of me and my mother yes wasn't i adorable what happened to me
0: i think you're, st- you're still very uh very pretty
1: Oh uh, you're just saying that because you're my brother
0: Yes maybe maybe not
1: <laughs> Yes so tell us about Thailand
0: Thailand a lot of good things happening in Thailand
1: mm-hmm.
0: yeah A legend dating back to the 1800s tells the story of Manette who committed no crime other being alive at a time when childbirth was one, was one of the primary causes of premature female death. A beautiful woman living alongside the banks of the Fu Karna Canal. Maynac married a handsome young soldier named Mak and soon became pregnant. Mak was conscripted to go to war, and while he was away, Maynac died in a difficult childbirth. When Mac returned, however, he was startled to see Mayneck in his home, sleeping next to their son. When she stretched out her arm above, beyond the normal human limits to pick up a lime, he realized that she was a ghost and fled to a temple which was on holy ground where she could not enter. Devastated at losing her husband a second time, her spirit terrorized the villagers and was eventually confined into a clay jar. The jar was thrown into a nearby lake. However, she's reported to be seen during stormy nights looking for her son and waiting, waiting,
1: waiting for her husband. So how is it that on stormy nights she can get out of the clay jar, but any other time of the day she can't?
0: That is a very good question. I mean, maybe when they threw into to the lake, the, uh, the clay jar broke. And now she uh, has become one with the water.
1: That could be. That's a very... So she's her own lady of the lake? Possibly. <laughs> that makes sense. Now, the
0: Yuki Onna, or Snow Woman, in Japan, is a story that exists in multiple versions. Most famous version by Lafikario turn is that she's a killer of men who spares a woodcutter's apprentice. She makes him never uh, swear, she makes him swear never to speak of her and lets him go. She assumes a human form and marries him, but he eventually tells her the story of how he wants to survive with the snow woman. Furious at his betrayal, she tells them that it was not for their children. She would kill him for speaking, which he has sworn never to tell. She didn't vanish this and is lost to her husband forever.
1: Trust issues. Ooh. A lot of these women have a
0: lot of trust issues. Yes, yes. Many of these legends speak of her origin as a young woman lost in the snow with her son. When he freezes (sighs) to death shortly before her, she becomes a vengeful spirit that seeks out men from whom she can steal hot breath to save her child. In these tales, what's most striking is not the fear she inspires, but in the sadness. Why is she lost in the snow? Why does she blame men for her child's death? Again, I think, you know, it may go down to a trust issue or maybe she wants, you know, maybe she was tossed out by uh, a man.
1: Yes. Um, I think I remember something about a, that there's a Japanese horror movie about this. Um, mm-hmm. I think I've seen like uh, little scenes here and there online about it. Um But I know a lot of the Japanese legends they've gone and made movies out of today. Mm -hmm. Now we come a little more down this way. We're going to go down south to Mexico. Down Mexico way. Yes. La Irona is a Mexican folktale about a woman who drowned her kids in a fit of rage. She is now said to roam the earth, wailing and searching for her lost children. Her cries are said to be warnings to others, and those who hear them are said to be cursed. Um, A lot of these happen around waterways, whether it be creeks, canyons, rivers. Um, This is usually where her ghost appears. And the legend is said to have originated in Mexico. But it has since spread to other parts of Latin America and um, also the southern united states like around here in um texas as well as arizona new mexico california you know different states along the mexican border now yes, uh, awesome. they did, the
0: story. they actually did a movie sometime last year uh with the, uh the lady who played uh a, the uh, uh in the mummy uh not not uh, the hero but uh at uh, uh,
1: i know which one you mean emotex yeah. love mm-hmm. yes. yes yeah um that actually came out back in i want to say 2018 um so it's been a while but i remember hearing it came out i just haven't seen it yet
0: yeah she's act, uh she's from a small village in brazil
1: yes i can't remember her name either but i know which one you're talking about i've seen her in a lot of things um, so yes, it has also been featured in books and shows, as well as other films. There are many versions of La Irona, but they all share some of the same elements. Nice. In most, in most, sorry, my had a pop up on a Facebook on my screen, and it I lost my place. Add. The squirrel got me, sorry. (laughs) Uh, But in most versions, La Llorona is a beautiful woman who marries a wealthy man. She has two children with him, but she is not happy in her marriage. She is often jealous of her husband's other wives, and so she ends her own life. When she does this, she takes the children to the river and drowns them. And after she realizes what she's done, You know, that's when she's um, in her own life, but before she wails and cries that she will bring her children back to life. Her cries can be heard at night, and she is said to appear to people near bodies of water, as I mentioned before. She is said to be a dangerous spirit, and those who encounter her are said to be cursed. The legend of La Irona is a cautionary tale about the dangers of jealousy and rage, And it's also a reminder of the importance of motherhood and the power of love. Um, I've also heard a theory that she was a mistress herself. And when she was pregnant, the um, man that she was having an affair with promised to leave his wife for her. Um, so when she went to him and told him that she was pregnant, he cast her out and told her he wanted nothing to do with her and he was going to stay with his wife. So that's the reason that she uh, she ended up killing herself and her unborn child. So she roams the waters now looking for her unborn child. So that's the version that I've heard of the story. But like I said, there are several different versions here. Um, if you know of any versions that you've heard then you know, send us a comment. Uh, you can also email us, let us know. But yeah, let us know what other versions you've had of heard of any uh-huh. of these stories that we're talking about today. And along the same note of La Irona, um, Richard is going to tell us my favorite story that if you're from, that you may never have heard of unless you're from San Antonio, Texas. This is a very famous San Antonio legend and lore, and I will let Richard take it away.
0: The donkey lady is a legendary creature that se- says to haunt a bridge in San Antonio, Texas. It's said to be a ghosted woman who was horribly disfigured in uh, uh, in a fire. Her face is said to be covered in scars, and she has the body of a donkey. She is said to attack people who drive by the bridge, and she is said to... Uh, Leave hoof prints on their cars. Now, the legend states Ooh. that back in the uh, 1950s, there are many versions of stories, but so there are some comments. In most versions, she was a young woman who lived with her husband and two children. One day, her husband was killed in a fire, and her children was taken away by the authorities. The donkey lady, who was so dis- uh, distraught that she set mm-hmm. fire to her own house, She was badly burned in the fire, and she died shortly after. The donkey lady's ghost is said to haunt bridges where her home once stood. She is said to appear to people who have driven by that bridge at night. She is said to be a very frightening
1: figure. And she is said to be bringing bad luck to those who see her. Now, I'm sorry, continue. I'll ask once you're completed.
0: Now there is no scientific evidence to support the existence of the donkey lady. Now there, uh, in, our, in actuality, I used to know a guy who uh, did know a incarnation of what possibly could have been the donkey lady. It was a woman who had uh, uh, who had survived a fire, and she. Uh, her hands had molded together to where it looked like it uh, from the fire, to where it looked like she had hoops instead of uh, instead of hands. And she used to sell, I mean, rent out donkeys for people to ride around uh, on the uh, farmost corner of Brackenridge Park. Now, many people do believe that the legend is real. And they do avoid driving by the bridge at night. It does have the reminder of the power of fear and the human imagination. She's a cautionary tale about the dangers of fire. And she's a reminder that even the most ordinary people can be transformed into something terrifying.
1: Now, my question is, because I heard another story again. Um, according to this story, how would she have turned into kind of a donkey? Now, the story I heard was that the husband burned her in the barn with the donkey and the souls merged. And that's how she became the donkey lady. To me, that makes more sense because it's like, well, how did she become a donkey? Mm -hmm. But I know our mother told me a story about when she was a teenager in high, you know, back in the 60s. Her and her friends went out to Donkey Lady Bridge. And they say that if you called her, she would come. And you could hear her coming by the, you would hear the clopping of the hoofs. So her and her friends went out to Donkey Lady Bridge and they called her and they heard the clomping of the foot of the hoofs and they hid in the bushes. And all of a sudden the clomping stopped. And mom says she looked up and she saw the actual Donkey Lady. She said she described her as having an elongated face, almost like a donkey but you could tell there was some humanistic features in that face and red glowing eyes um, so maybe there is something out there I know I've seen videos of shadows and and mists in the area but again this is outside so that could be anything mm-hmm. but who really knows I mean
0: yes the uh, there used to be a telephone number or there probably still is but- <laughs> But let me tell you about that telephone number. Uh, I'm not going to give it out. I remember it to this day. But it was—it's basically you call it, and there's like a high-pitched whine uh, after three uh, rings.
1: I remember that. If anybody out there is from San Antonio, and. Um, here's this podcast let us know if that still works i mean we're not going to try it ourselves yeah. but let us know
0: <laughs> years later years 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 later i'm sitting uh in a uh in, in, in an area uh, in a cross section you know uh, phone uh place and the guy who's sitting there testing out the lines looks at me and smiles and says come here a second he dials in this number and guess what it was
1: the donkey lady
0: yes that high pitch wine and he's and he looks at me and he says that is a tone to test to see if the phone line is working
1: really yes wow that's interesting yes um i've also heard that if you call out to her on halloween night she'll come to your home ah. so don't be calling out to the donkey lady at night but yeah if anybody's from san antonio and knows of the donkey lady or has any stories to share you know leave us a comment let us know and now we're going to talk about again another white lady Lady in white. Yes, this is the lady, the white lady of the water. And she's a ghost or a spirit that is said to haunt bodies of water. Again with the water. Mm -hmm. She is often described as a beautiful woman dressed in white. We need to get a bell for every white dressed ghost we get in here. Yes. Um, But she's said to appear to people who are lost or in danger. This is a popular figure of many cultures and is often seen as a symbol of motherhood or protection. The legend of the lady, I'm sorry, the legend of the white lady of the water. That's a tongue tie mouthful.
0: That's a tongue twister and a half.
1: Yes, it is said to have originated in Europe, but it has since spread to other parts of the world. She is a popular figure in Celtic folklore, and has been featured in many films, books, and television shows. There are many different versions of this lady, but they all share the common elements.
0: Now, uh, also, I'd like to admit the White Lady of the Water is also been uh, added to the Arthurian legend as the one who handed Arthur the sword. So that would be the
1: Lady of the Lake? Uh-huh. Interesting. Um, in most versions, though, she is a woman who died tragically often by drowning. Again, she is said to haunt the water by where she died. And she is said to appear to people who have lost or in danger. It is said that she's a benevolent spirit, and she has said to help people who are in need. Um, she is a reminder of the power of love and beyond, I'm sorry, the power of love and bond between mothers and children. Also a reminder of the importance of respect for nature and the environment. <laughs> Some of the examples from around the world include in Celtic folklore, the white lady is often associated with the goddess Bridget. She is the goddess of fire, healing, and poetry and is often depicted as a beautiful woman with long flowing hair. In Japan, we also have a lady in white who is known as Yukiona. This is a ghost that is said to appear in snowman snowstorms and is often described as a beautiful woman with long white hair and cold icy touch. I think that's the one we talked about earlier up here, right? Yep, the Yukiona. Same mm-hmm. ghost.
0: See. See how much excited uh, Mercy is about it. Yes.
1: One sec. Mercy. Sorry about that. Sorry. In China, the white lady is known as Bai Gui. Bai Gui is a ghost that is said to haunt graveyards. She's often described as a beautiful woman with long white hair and a pale complexion. This legend is a popular and enduring one, as she is reminded of the power of love, the importance of respecting nature, and potential redemption, even in the face of tragedy. Now, speaking of the lady and wife, I remember hearing a story when I was a kid. I don't know if this was a made-up story, but I want to know if you have ever heard of it and what your thoughts are. But I remember hearing a story about... The Bride of Calaveras. Now, for those who don't know, Calaveras Lake is a, is a lake in San Antonio, again. And people have told me that they've seen a woman in white, possibly a bride, walking along the lake. And um, I just wanted to know if you've ever heard of that. Or is this something that maybe somebody made up? Let me know what you think. Mm-hmm. Have you ever heard of the bride of calaveras is it is it something or did somebody make it up
0: i've heard about it
1: Uh, what have you heard about the bride of calaveras like
0: uh that basically uh that uh, she uh was uh she was red rummed Uh and uh So she's basically uh, searching for her body, wandering around the edges of Calaveras
1: uh, shores. Uh, I will look into that. Now, I know that you used to go fishing a lot with dad, Scott, Mm -hmm. at Calaveras Lake. And um, I don't know if y'all ever camped there, but have you ever seen her? Uh, I have never seen her, but. Uh,
0: basically, uh, I have spent overnight there a couple of times.
1: And you never saw her or heard her? Uh,
0: never, never saw her. Uh, Mm -hmm. probably the lights, uh, from the, uh, the power plant across the way may have, uh, people may have gotten confused with it.
1: Uh, Well, I'm going to do a little more research, see if I can find anything on that. Maybe I'll put Mm -hmm. some more about that in a future episode. In the future. In the future. So tell us about Boabab Sith, or however you say it.
0: Boab Sith is a female fairy in the folklore of the Scottish Islands. Though they appear to share the same certain characteristics in common with a occupies, they appear as a beautiful woman who seduces their teachers before attacking them and killing them. According to uh, Scottish folklorist Donald Do- Alexander McKenzie, the Bob Holland Sith usually appears as a beautiful young woman wearing a long green dress. Congratulations, lady! <laughs> wearing yes. a long green dress, it conceals the deal hooves, the hips instead of feet. She may also take the form of a hooded crow or a raven. These are numerous stories about the the Sith with a the general theme of hunters being attacked in the wilderness at night. In one tale b- recorded by the Mackenzie, they were falling men who went hunting and took shelter for the night in a loading shooting or a hunt. One of the men supplied vocal music while the others began to dance. The Baholunban Sheath was attracted to the music and dancing, and she appeared to the men. She was so beautiful that the men were entranced and invited her to join them. They danced with the men, and soon she had them all exhausted. When the men were asleep, the Baholan Sith killed them all. She's a dangerous creature that she is, and I said to be responsible to many of the men that joined him. She is a reminder of the dangers of beauty and the importance of being careful of he eats less. Here are some additional details about her.
1: Okay, you're beginning to sound a little more Irish than Scottish.
0: I could have happened it. Okay. It's said to be tall, <laughs> slender, with long black hair and pale skin. Incredibly beautiful, and the beauty is said to be intoxicating. It's said to be able to shape shift, and they can take a form of a beautiful woman, a hooded crow, a raven. It's said mm-hmm. to be drained for the life forces out of the victims, and they are said to be responsible for many deaths. They are said to be afraid of iron and they can be killed by a silver bullet. Werewolf, maybe.
1: Most most fae have aversion to iron and silver. Makes sense. Yeah, I think so.
0: Yeah, it's a dangerous creature, but she's also a reminder of the power of beauty. She's cautioning her tale about the dangers of being soothed by appearance and a reminder that even the most beautiful creatures can be dangerous.
1: Yes, and now we talk about the mother of the mountain. The mother of the mountain is a benevolent spirit in the Celtic folklore who is said to protect the mountains and the people who live there. She is often depicted as a beautiful woman with long flowing hair, and she said to be kind and compassionate. She is said to have been born of the earth itself, excuse me, and she is said to have a deep connection to nature. Also, it is said she is able to control the weather. So I guess this would be their version of Mother Nature Mm -hmm. um, because she is able to bring rain or sunshine as needed. She can also heal the sick and able to protect people from harm. Mother um, of the Mountain invokes protection and guidance and is said to be benevolent to those who are and willing to help all those in need. Some other details about her is she um, is kind and compassionate, as I said, able to control the weather, as said. Um, Most of that is pretty much what I've already gone over, so we will skip that. But now we're gonna talk about some supposed visits of a dead mother to her child.
0: Now, where the queer story is told, and can be vouched over for half a dear dozen persons in Springfield, Illinois. It appears about three years ago, a young man living in Summit got married. And in due time, his, wa- his wife gave birth to a child, which was a girl. When the child was about one year old, the mother died. About five months later, the young widower became lonely and took himself another wife. But before doing so, he took all of his wife's clothing, packed them in a trunk, locked it up, and allowed no one to have charge of the key but himself. Among the clothing put away was a waddling shawl and a pillow his wife had made for her first board, and some of the toys she had bought just before she died, then he brought home wife number two, who, it is said, made a good a mother as the average stepmoms do. Oh,
1: mm, I don't like the way that sounds.
0: Things went lively till one night, last week, when there was a little party at the neighbors next door. So after putting the babe in his little bed, the father and step monster went along to spend the evening at the party shortly after they left two men came along their way to, to the party also they saw a wonderful light in health as though at the house may be on fire they also heard the cries of the babe as though it's in great pain they went to the house and as soon as they reached the door the light went out and all was silent that's the grave within. They hastened on to the house where the party was and told the man when they had seen and heard it in the house that they came by. Five or six volunteers of men, including the owner of the house, started to investigate the report. When they arrived they found every room and door fast, as is when the owner left. On going inside they found to be in the place except the child, which after a long search, was found upstairs underneath the bed where its mother had died, covering up with its mother's wedding shawl, as its little head was resting on the pillow its mother had made. Sound asleep. Alongside of it laid the playthings. On examining the trunk it was found to be locked and nothing missing except the above Mentioned hmm. items. Now, how things got out of the trunk and the key tucked into the owner's pocket and he'd have a half a mile from it, how could a child go upstairs at the mystery? The above may sound a little like a dime store pulp novel, but as we said before, the facts of this case can be and vouched for by over a dozen respectable citizens of beautiful Springfield, Ohio.
1: Now we move on to Richmond, Virginia. A strange story is current in certain circles here, but about two years ago, Mr. A married. In due time, he became a father. But the wife died when the child was a few months old. On her death dead, she exhibited intense anxiety as to the fate of the little one she was to leave behind and earnestly besought her husband to confide it after her death. To the care of one of the relatives, he promised, and I believe did for a while, let the child stay in the charge of the person who the mother had designated. Some weeks ago, however, Mr. A married again, and at once reclaimed the child, who has had, I'm sorry, who as of yet had never learned to speak a word and was unable to crawl. One day this child was left alone for a few months in the stepmother's bedroom, lying on a crib or cradle some distance from the bed. When Mrs. A returned, she was amazed to see the child smiling and crowing up in the middle of the bed. In her astonishment, she, involunt- she involuntarily asked, Who put you here, baby?
0: Who put her there, baby? Tell us. Nana, reported the quite distinctly the child had never been spoken a word. Ooh. On a strict inquiry, Throughout the household, it was found that none of the family had been in the room during Mrs. A's brief absence from it. Thus, it is solemnly averred. But, at the beginning of a series of spiritual, spiritual visitations from the dead mother, whenever the child was left alone, it could be heard to laugh and coo, as if delighted by foundlings and endearment of someone. And on these occasions, it was frequently have been said to change its dress, position, and all manner quite beyond its own unaided capacity. Finally, as the account is, the first Mrs. A appeared one night right at the bedside of Mr. A and his second wife, and earnestly entreated that her darling should be restored to all the relative whom she would indicate as the guardian of the child on her deathbed. The apparition which, it is declared, was distinctly seen and heard by both Mr. A. and his wife, promised to haunt them no more if her wishes were complied. Both uh, Miss, Mr. A. and his wife were too much awe-stricken to reply. But the next day, the child was carried back to, as directed by the ghostly invitation. Such a story is seriously avouched by the principal parties concerned are most respected, and intelligent people, and not spiritualists.
1: Interesting. Mm-hmm. Now, here's one more story from Kentucky that we think you'll enjoy.
0: Kentucky rain keeps flowing
1: down. Yes, Elvis. Not so long ago, many families in eastern Kentucky hills lived in isolation from the outside world. High ridges and poor road conditions kept them miles away from modern conveniences like grocery stores and hospitals. If someone ever got sick, a family member would have to ride for miles through the hills to fetch a doctor, sometimes taking a day or more to return. The Bishop family lived in a ramshackle farmhouse deep within the remote hollow. The steep, rocky hillsides had long given up what little sustenance they could provide, and Howard Bishop, like many of his neighbors, was forced to work toward lumber companies. Bishop was a proud man in his late 30s and had no love for the greedy lumber barons who forced him to work brutally long hours. He also hated to see his mountain birthplace ripped apart in the name of industry. But when the bitter winds would blow through the flimsy walls of his broken-down home, he knew that he had no choice but to succumb to their will for his family's sake.
0: Howard's only peace came from his uh, Elizabeth Bishop, his wife of these years. Although Howard showed a stoic exterior to the world, his heart belonged to her. Five years his junior elizabeth was a beautiful woman toughened by years of mountain living their relationship wasn't overly affectionate, but both felt a great deal of comfort knowing that the other was nearby when the black night would fall across the hills and to them that was enough in early spring oh. elizabeth had just given birth to her first child a little girl named anna when she came down with a bad fever, Howard watched with a concern as Elizabeth furiously tossed and turned in the sweat-soaked bed, her pretty face drawn and pale. Is Anna alright? whispered Elizabeth hoarsely to her husband. Howard looked over the child lying still on the laundry basket that served as her makeshift crib. She's fine. Don't worry. He replied, trying not to betray his concern. You just get some rest.
1: Okay, he's in Kentucky. Usually you do a southern accent for Kentucky, or for the north, but for the south, you're doing a Scottish accent.
0: Oh, hold on. Okay, okay. She's fine. Don't worry, he replied, trying not to show his concern. You just get some rest.
1: There you go. <laughs> I know something's wrong. She ain't moving the crib for hours. She won't even get me nursing. Howard tenderly wiped her brow. Shh, it's all right, she's just sleeping. When Laura gets here, I'll run down into town and fetch her the doctor. Laura was Laura Shelnut, the wife of Howard's good friend, Walter Shelnut. Since the Shellnuts lived down in the valley where the land wasn't quite so barren, they were able to eke out a respectable living as farmers. Sometimes they even brought fresh vegetables up to the bishops when times were really tough. But more importantly, Howard knew he could depend on them in times of crisis. And though Howard did his best not to let it show, to him this was a time of crisis. An hour later, Laura arrived to care for Elizabeth and Howard roared down the treacherous (laughs) mountain road. An hour later, Laura arrived to care for Elizabeth, and Howard roared down the treacherous mountain road towards town. The logging companies had torn the dirt road to pieces, and Howard's rickety old car pitched and swerved in the furrows and mud holes cut by the lumber trucks. Sometimes (laughs) the muddy road would plunge straight down the steep mountainsides with guardrails. I'm sorry, without guardrails. This forced Howard to proceed at a snail's pace, but nothing was going to stop him from fetching help.
0: Since when Howard finally arrived in town, he had learned the doctor had left for a neighboring town and wouldn't return until the next day. By now a fierce thunderstorm was lashing the hills and Howard had no choice but to wait out the storm overnight and find the doctor in the morning. When the doctor finally returned the next day, Howard pulled him into his car and roared out of the town towards home. The evening rains had made it slippery roads and even more tenacious. And the two of the men had to occasionally get out and push the car out of a deep pothole. hole. After what seemed like an eternity, they arrived back at the Bishop homestead. Howard leapt out of the car and bolted into the house. I'm home, he yelled. And Howard he threw open the doors. I brought the that- he then saw Laura Sheldon sitting in his wife's bed, streaming down her face as Laura turned to face him. Howard sensed the horrible truth. He staggered over to his wife's bed and looked pale, lifeless body. He was too late. Howard welled in anguish, his cries of pain reverting throughout the house. He then rushed over to the crib, only to encounter a second tragedy, his daughter cold, limp, much in the same position as he left her. The dreaded mountain fever had claimed two more victims.
1: Two days later, Elizabeth and Anna were buried in the community cemetery, high atop a windswept bluff. The mourners sang solemn hymns around the freshly dug graves, believing that mother and daughter were safe in the arms of God's angels but Howard Bishop stared angrily at the menacing skies. His fists clenched in the frayed pockets of his old wool suit. After the service, he shrugged off his consoling neighbors and stormed home, bolting the door behind him. Facing the dark and empty house alone, everything in his life taken away from him. Howard stared out the window for hours on it, wondering why a loving God he prayed to every day at church had suddenly betrayed him. The next day, down in the valley, Walter Shellnut rose before dawn to milk his cows. He lit a lantern, grabbed a pail, and shuffled outside into the frosty mountain air. The cows rose to their feet and mooed loudly in the barns, sensing his arrival. But even as he deftly milked his cows that morning, the reassuring ping of the spray hitting the bottom of the metal pan. He sensed that something was different. Usually he did his chores alone. Yet this particular morning, he sensed that someone was watching him. He knew his wife was still in bed, so who could it be? Who can it be now? He turned around and saw what
0: startled him. At the barn door stood a mysterious woman, covered head to foot with a long black dress. Her face was indistinguishable in a dim lantern light. But Walter could see that she wore no coat to protect her from the morning chill. Martin, muttered Walter, unsure of what to say. The woman did not answer. Instead, she pulled out a shiny tin cup and set it down on a bale of hay. It took just a moment for Walter to realize that the woman wanted milk. This was an unusual request. Neighbors in the area frequently borrowed milk from one another, but the nearest farm was miles away. And for what Walter could tell, he'd never seen this woman before. He filled a cup and put it back on the bale. The woman took the cup, Nodded gravely and walked out the door. Walter's cow suddenly became restless and kicked over the milk bucket, distracting him for a moment. When Walter finally got up and locked the door, the woman had vanished into the darkness.
1: When Laura woke up, she and Walter discussed the morning's strange events. Eventually, they came to the conclusion that she must be a lost traveler and an odd one at that. So Walter didn't give it much thought until the next morning when the woman suddenly appeared again in the same black dress holding an empty tin cup. Like the morning before, she didn't speak a word, but nodded gratefully when Walter filled her cup, then mysteriously vanished. Like clockwise, the woman appeared every morning for four days. On the fourth day, Walter's curiosity got the best of him. As the woman walked out of the barn with her milk, Walter sprung up and followed her. To his surprise, he saw the woman run into the surrounding forest without benefit of a light. Without thinking, he grabbed his lantern and ran after her. For hours, it seemed, Walter chased the woman through the dense forest. Walter was a healthy and strong man, but no matter how fast he ran, he could day no he could gain no ground on the swift woman in the distance. As the woman's, I'm sorry, as the morning darkness gave way to eerie gray light, Walter felt that his eyes were playing tricks on him. For at times it seemed the woman wasn't running at all, but floating above the ground like some giant raven.
0: Walter emerged from the forest onto the logging roads. After a long run through the forest, Walter was surprised to see a young woman run straight up into the hills at some breakneck pace. Out of breath, Walter, nevertheless, continue, continued after her. Without wondering, she veered off onto a side road that cut through the dead forest of brittle claw-like trees lined up on the windswept bluff. Walter was now truly baffled. Why was she going on up to the cemetery? Walter reached the rusty iron gate on the community cemetery just in time to see the woman standing over one of the headstones, her black dress flapping in the fierce wind. She then knelt before a newly dubbed grave and, to Walter's shock, vanished into thin air. For a brief moment, Walter (laughs) stood frozen in terror. He had heard the old-timers tell stories about hanks and witches in the cemetery ever since he was a little but as he always chuckled at him had they been telling the truth all these times but then something dawned on ignoring his fear and exhaustion he speared all the way back down to hill. he burst through that front door of his home scaring the poor lord to death She looked up, at him in this panicked face, and said, Walter Shellnut, what's wrong with you? Why are you the shovels? Gapped Walter almost out of breath.
1: They're out back by the barn, answered Laura, still taken aback by his disheveled appearance. Why? I need your help. Hop in the truck. We got to get to the cemetery. What on earth floor? Laura chuckled. Are we di- grave diggers now? Walter grabbed her arm and yelled, I ain't got time to explain. Just do it, please. Minutes later, the shellnuts roared back up the old cemetery road and climbed up to the top of the bluff. As they stopped at the gate, Walter leapt out and grabbed the shovel and ran toward one of the headstones. Laura's eyes dropped as she saw Walter dig like a madman into one of the mm. fresh graves. Elizabeth Bishop's grave, to be exact, who was buried only days ago. What are you doing? Are you crazy? She screamed. Just get over here and help, yelled Walter. Hurry.
0: He don't want to go check out what's going on there. Mm Mm-hmm. Giving her dead husband the benefit of the doubt, Laura reluctantly grabbed a shovel and did something she never she to be doing in her wildest dreams, dig up a grave. As the two dug deeper, both heard a strange sound. It started off as a muffled whipper, which Laura thought must have been carried by the howling wind. But as they dug closer to the coffin, the whipper became a high-pitched cry. Then a frightened wail. The two of them looked at each other and their blood ran cold. There's a baby in there, screamed Laura. They finally struck the wooden coffin, frantically clearing away the dirt. Walter ripping open the lid. Inside, lay the corpse of Elizabeth Bishop. The mysterious woman in black, dressed on her chest, lay her precious daughter Anna, very much alive mm-hmm. and crying wildly. And clutched in Elizabeth's hand was an empty tin mm-hmm. cup. Hours later, Howard Bishop remained boarded up in his darkened home when he heard the truck roared into his yard. He instinctively grabbed a shotgun and bolted out on the porch. As his truck skidded to a halt in front of his door, he recognized as the shell nuts. When he heard a baby cry in his truck, his face flushed with anger. Ooh. What kind of sick joke was this? Bringing
1: a baby up here
0: after all that he's been through.
1: It's me, Howard, said Walter as he hopped out. Put the gun down. As Howard did so, Walter walked over with the baby. Howard's face softened as they approached, his eyes flashing joyous and disbelief spark of recognition. This is your baby, said Walter, handing Howard the young daughter he thought he'd lost for sure. She woke up from her fever. I don't know how, but she did. Howard gently cradled the infant in his arms and his eyes welling with tears. It's a miracle, said Walter, smiling at the sight. You see, sometimes the Lord does work wonders. Now, this is a story of a mother who returned from her grave to rescue her child and is still told in the mountains of Eastern Kentucky. That's a nice little story to end out tonight. What do you think? I think
0: it's a pretty, pretty story. Yes. About a, a, loves, uh, a mother and father's love for their child.
1: Yes. Um, if you have any stories, again, like you'd like to share with us, um, leave them in the comments. Uh, if you have any comments or thoughts on stories we shared tonight, you can leave them in the comments as well. Um, if you have any questions or anything, you can email us at info at Well,
0: just let you know that uh, we do have a website, skepticsidekick.com, where you uh, get, you know, catch up on, you know, past previous uh, podcasts that we do have, as well as a couple of items that we did did write. Uh, We do, uh, if you do listen to uh, us on uh, Apple Podcasts, we do require five stars. That's one, two, three, four, five. And we do look forward to seeing you again next week.
1: Yes. And there was one other thing I want. Oh, now I remember if you'd like to join a great Facebook group and hang out with other people, whether you be a skeptic or a believer, um, we do have our Facebook group, Skeptic Psychic where you can become, as Richard likes to call us, one of our pod people.
0: Pod people.
1: (laughs) Um, So you can find that on Facebook as well, and we'd love to see you there. Yes, good night, everyone. Good night.